Hello, you're listening to Abiding Life Studios. I'm Noah Wells. Today on the phone, I have Betty Wells. Hi, guys. Hello. And I have Steve Reinhardt on the phone as well. Hi, Noah. Hi, Betty. It's great to be with you and with you in spirit and uh, not with you in body. It's really great to (laughs) hear your voices. Yes, and everyone who's listening, you can tell that we are practicing the social distance. And, um, yeah, so we'll probably do this for as long as we have to, which is okay with me. Really? You don't miss us? You don't miss <laughs> our hugs? <laughs> All right, maybe I miss the hugs and the <laughs> and the stares. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I, I, it's not really okay with me. I was kind of cavalier about the whole thing. Uh, initially, until I started thinking that I might have it, and then I was uh, a lot more concerned because I didn't want to be infecting people uh, unknowingly. If I infected them knowingly, then there'd be certain people that I'd go hang out with, but uh, you <laughs> wouldn't be one of them, Noah. So <laughs> thank I, you. So I went and did uh, I, because I was having some symptoms. I got tested, so I'm waiting on the results of those. So yeah, I'm happy to keep my distance just because I wouldn't want to. Um, Make anyone Make else anybody sick. sick. Yeah. So we we had to deal with that last week. Well, I guess it was this week. We were supposed to be in Kansas visiting Mike's dad and brother-in-law, and both of them are in the high risk group. Mm. And just being in the airport, we knew we could inadvertently take the virus to them, so we canceled the trip. Mm. Good for you. Good for you. I'm sure that was a tough decision to make. Yeah, it yes. was a tough decision. Yes. Because you, well, you want to be with them, and and I think that's probably things that us and all our listeners are experiencing. We want to be together, and we love, you know, there is one body, and we want to have that experience of it, and making the decision to, in a sense, protect someone by not showing up. Is really I've got I've got mixed emotions about it. Just like mm, what we're doing here is I want to be with you. I love uh, being in your physical presence. Um, yeah. And at the same time, I feel like we're always connected, and I get to enjoy your spiritual presence even when we're not talking. So, uh, but I love being with you guys. So that's cool that you made that decision to stay home, even though it was probably tough to make. Well, amen to all that. And I think as Americans, we're so independent and busy and always pushing. (laughs) I think it's hard for everybody to make the decision to social distance. Mm. But Mm -hmm. I think it's very important for now, especially, and I know you have good friends in Italy too, Steve, and the things I hear from them are, are really making us aware how seriously we need to take this now. Mm, yeah. Yeah, our friends in Italy were mm, kind of like me, kind of cavalier and like, were, you know, like I was when I, like I still am, like I still think I'm 18 and indestructible. Uh, <laughs> even, even though I've got holes in all my bones and been diagnosed with cancer, I still feel that way. So, you know, it's kind of crazy because it doesn't match reality at all. Uh, and how fragile I really am. But my friends in Italy were feeling the same way, and then uh, then they, a lot of their friends and uh, colleagues um, were 
chicken, and they lost their jobs. And uh, so, yes, so we there's a lot of there's a lot of sick people in Italy, and the um, and Italians, you know, they're kind of like me. They're rule breakers. So you tell them not to do something, and it just makes them want to go do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I heard of I heard of some Italian. A couple walking their dog the other day, and the police stopped them and said, "What are you doing walking your dog?" And this is not a joke. It's and they, they or what, what are you doing out here walking in the streets? You're supposed to be at home. And they said, uh, uh, "We're walking our dog." And uh, go well. Where's the dog? And they had a like a stuffed animal uh, under <laughs> their jacket. Oh and man! So, so you know that really didn't go over good. I bet uh, not. Especially when no, people but- are getting sick, you know. Yes, yeah. and I think that's what my Italian friends have been saying, is that they so wish they had taken it seriously at the beginning because they're in such a fix now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really different. It's so interesting. I mean, Italy is different. I love Italy and different, so different from Germany. Uh, but Italy's got a high rate of deaths and uh, cases of the virus and Germany is like below, you know, below a percent, point zero eight percent or something like that. It's not compared wow. to, and their, and their neighbors, you know, you drive from one country to the next. And uh, so I think our, our beliefs about stuff and taking things seriously have effects. So, uh, and then I have friends, since we're kind of talking about this, I have friends on the East and West Coast, and they have a whole different attitude uh, about it than than I do. And because they're in big cities, big, huge metropolitan cities of New York City and uh, San Francisco, and they are taking it a whole lot more serious. And, mm-hmm. uh, and at the same time, they're also making some dire predictions that, you know, kind of... Um, I've never been good at predicting the future or what people will do. Like I would never have predicted in a billion years of run on paper or on toilet paper. Uh, yeah. You know, just like would never have entered my mind. And so I'm pretty <laughs> sure my ability to predict the future and what people do is really bad. And they, they're predicting, you know, lots of people will die. And I had one lady really upset with me yesterday because I said, well, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you're right. Lots of people will die. Uh, but lots of people always die, um, yeah. and uh, and she wanted to say more people will die, and uh, so I think just being um, making generalizations like that it doesn't help me because uh, you could flip it around and say, well, lots of people die, but many more people are going to survive and live, uh, yeah. and you know I guess both are true. And uh, anyway, so we all have different perspectives and belief systems running right now. And um, it's kind of interesting to see how that how that all shakes out. Well, what you said about the friends in the big cities, and of course, I have family in those big cities. And I, it's just I just think, how do you practice social distancing, except how they're having to do it, which is by quarantine. And I think, well, how in India are they social distancing? Yeah, good question. Yeah, it's and such a huge population, and they're just, 
all out all the time. I don't know. Mm. It's hard to picture. It's really hard to picture. Yeah, and I think they're doing, uh, you know, I've been in touch with uh, folks in India since this, and there are, like, they closed the schools. Uh, that's one way, and they've sent the, the um, I mean, it's kind of funny. They sent all the young kids and home from the schools to live with their grandparents. <laughs> oh, huh. So, like, if they were carrying, uh, they, their distancing may have taken it to uh, the population that's as an unintended consequence of uh, yeah, the vulnerable it population. To the vulnerable people, right. Yeah, so, but that's, but what, that you is, know, that's what they're doing. That's what India does, though. The grandparents are so involved in the raising of the children, so. Yeah, and then the kids are taking care of the parents, trying to provide for them, so. Yeah. So it's a really hardship of, you know, people not being able to work, and, and just like it is here, um, yes. people don't have savings, and. Or, mm-hmm. uh, like our friend Paul, uh, I got a really nice um, message from him. And maybe maybe we could just talk about India and Nepal now. Um, yes. Yeah. But uh, so my so our friend Paul Silveraj and his family. Um, it was really great being with them. They're in a town called Coimbatore now. They are uh, moved there a few years back from Polynesia uh, to be with Usha's family. Um, so they they now have their both daughters and three grandchildren and one on the way uh, living with them. Uh, their sons-in-laws are living back in the places where they work. One's a, an evangelist uh, trying to evangelize and start the churches, I think, but I'm not exactly sure about that. And then another is um, a doctor who works up in... Um, resort town but walks to visit his clientele so the girls are not living with their husbands they're and so so all of their kids have come home and they're um now in a two-bedroom house with all those folks living there yeah but i bet usha loves that being with her daughters and grandkids um yeah the Paul, to a I think point. they, yeah, to a point. <laughs> I think that, um, I think that there, as you know, Paul says, it's a lot of work for Usha. Sure. Uh, and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're really go getters. They like to be out and about and evangelizing and, um, and I think to be cooped up. They're uh, Usha and, and the daughters are angry with Paul for. Uh, he rented an office and started up his counseling evangelism center again, right before we were there arrived, and they're upset with him for going out, uh, still meeting with people. He's only meeting with one, doing like one-on-one counseling, and uh, but they're upset with him for doing that. Uh, so probably for good reasons, because they don't want him to be infected and. Uh, his health is really not too whippy anyway, so... No, his health is compromised. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so Steve, for the listeners, um, can you say when you went to India? Because you just recently went and came back. So um, can you tell the listeners when that was? Yeah, I, uh, I went to India with my son Josh. My oldest son Josh is my babysitter because... 
um, I, I think I need a babysitter in case something <laughs> happens. I fall down and like I heard of a friend of today who uh, has the same uh, stuff and she fell and uh, when she fell she broke her shoulder. Oh man! Uh, and so, uh, so I've got holes in all my bones and I don't know how strong they are, but so he's he came along to hang out with me for one thing and we had a really great time together and we so we left on february 11th uh, before the whole coronavirus thing became such a big deal and yeah. uh, like i said we were kind of like not too worried about it even though uh, it was happening in china and uh, so we went to nepal first you know, on the 11th of february and then uh, flew from nepal to Delhi to Coimbatore and stayed in Coimbatore, well, three or four days, and then uh, drove down and um, visited with Alex and Grace Matthew in uh, Kochi for a few days and then zoomed back home. So it was kind of a, we left on the 11th and got back on the 25th, just a couple week trip. Yeah. Uh, just for the people who don't know you, the thing that you have is multiple myeloma that has eaten your bones, and you, that is what that's right. And the reason you took the trip was because the cancer has been beaten back down to nearly nil, but the bones are still porous, and we're all hoping for regeneration in the bones. Woohoo! Right on. And uh, yes, that's so. That's true. And I've had, uh, I've always loved India and that part of the world and Nepal, and I've spent quite a bit of time over there with these three families uh, and watched their kids grow up and watched them and uh, me grow up uh, in relationship with these guys. And and so for uh, before I was diagnosed, I had been hoping and planning to get back over there. And then uh, I was really disappointed to not be able to go the fall uh, of seven. 18 I guess it was fall of 18 when I was diagnosed with cancer and then I was hoping to go in the spring and uh, the numbers still, the cancer numbers still weren't going down so I didn't do that and so I was really thankful and grateful to be able to go over there and be with Ashok and Ramil and their family and then go down and be with Paul and Usha and Grace and Alex um, so, yeah, thanks for reminding me uh, what the listeners don't know. I think that I'm really grateful. To, and uh, I, when I emailed uh, Ashok, I didn't find this out till after uh, we were there. And, and, you know, it's really nice to have Josh with me because he could find out things that nobody would tell me. And they were in talk with uh, Romilla and uh, Solomon. And, and so one of the things that they told Josh was that when I first emailed Ashok and said, uh, hey, I'm thinking about coming to Nepal, uh, what do you think? Would that work for you? Uh, that he thought I was joking. Huh. Uh, oh. Because the last time he had seen me had been the previous December. Uh, oh, yeah. So more than a year had gone by, and when he had seen me, uh, you know, he had come here to pray for me because uh, I pretty sure he's thought for sure I was dying and yeah. that December you know I really wasn't looking good and I didn't know how 
you know, I really didn't know if I was going to live or die. Or, and I'm really happy living, really excited about life now. I'm really excited to live in this period of time. It's like, what a blessing. We get to walk with God in this period. I'm so excited mm-hmm. to be alive right now. and glad I didn't yes. die a year ago because I would have missed this. And, yeah. um, and at the same time, I'm super excited to die. I'm really looking forward to that and curious about what that experience will be like. So he, but when Ashok visited me, he came and prayed for me and, um, and, and he and his uh, church people and believers there in Nepal have been praying. And so he, so he called me when he found out I wasn't kidding and said, we're so excited and I can't wait for you to meet the people that have been praying for you many hours every day. Oh, that's wonderful. And uh, I just started crying because yeah. I've experienced that love of yes. the, the body. Yes. Um, and it's real. And so for me, that was a huge blessing. Uh, everywhere I went in Nepal and India to um, experience that body and see and meet and uh, touch and hug um, people that have been praying uh, and love me and love the body, love the Lord um, mm-hmm. in ways that are, you know, way beyond my comprehension. Because I'm not really, I'm not a prayer. I'm really not a good prayer. But to meet <laughs> people that are is just uh, magnificent and to be with people that... Um, Get to be able to see and hold the answer to their prayers in their hand is uh, was powerful. Powerful, yeah. Yes, because the blessings always run both ways. The prayers mm. were so happy to see the answer to their prayers, and you got all the blessing too of mm-hmm. the result of their prayers. And I believe Ashok told you when he was visiting us in December of night. 19- of 18, <laughs> that he believed you would be healed. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. That's just very, I always, I always love hearing that from Christians if the Lord has told them that. But if they're just saying that because that's what they want, then there's no benefit. In fact, there's yeah. probably harm done. But we trust Ashok, and that was great. Yeah, and actually, I think he was kind of surprised that I was showing up. <laughs> he, he was kind of like, "Wow, the Lord did answer our prayers." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. that's what that's what his wife told Josh. So it was like, "Wow, can't like." I thought Steve was joking. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I do. Well, like to joke. That is that is the yes, you do joke, and that is the rotten experience that we all have with cancer is that so often our friends and loved ones do go ahead and pass on from it. True. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was, uh, I, I really uh, appreciate Ashok and his family and it's been fun watching them. His Solomon, uh, his birthday was, we've like, seems like every, we always showed up at his birthday and we showed up at the, at one o'clock in the morning, right after they had this birthday party, so he had to, he couldn't even go to bed. He's on his, and I think he turned 24. Uh, mm-hmm. 
and I think I probably met him when he was uh, nine or ten. So it's been fun to watch him and uh, Angelina and Deepa uh, and Ash Ockner Miller for all of us to grow up together. Uh, it's been exciting, and it was great being with them uh, as adults. Uh, so I think, uh, I guess if I would sum up that, the Nepal part of it was to be able to love and be loved by uh, that part of the body of Christ uh, that's in Nepal now. Is to, to, that we all got to experience that together when we saw each other and uh, held one another and um, seen people that I hadn't seen for a long time. It was really great to see Simone and uh, Benita and uh, and see how things have changed and grown there in the Christian community. Well, how have they changed? Because when Mike was going there, the war was going on. He and Homer used to travel there a lot, and with Ashok taking them all around. And the war was so bad, the Maoists and the Christians really had to lay low. And I got some kind of report from Ashok maybe a year ago that Christians were getting ready to be persecuted again. So what temperature did you find in the country about all that? Well, you know, I'll probably be wrong in what I say because it's just my impression. But so... um, I, well, your impression my, will be better than anything we know because we haven't didn't get to see it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I've, people are still persecuted. It's still illegal to baptize people, um, mm-hmm. even though the Constitution says it's a a oh, what do you call it? Secular state. Um, it's there is still persecution um, of Christians and because uh, it's a Hindu secular state, right? Really, it really is Hindu, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, but it's also um, the Maoists are the the king's been the king's still alive, but he's not in charge of anything, uh, and so he's kind of under house arrest, and the Maoists are uh, in charge, and so there's a communist government basically uh, that's um, been actually pretty helpful to the people overall of Nepal after, and they've gotten tons of help from foreign countries, especially China. And they, uh, so I think overall the, they're pretty, the country's a lot more stable than it used to be when Mike and Homer used to go over there. Mm-hmm. You're not, you know, there's no strikes because like now the Maoists are in charge. There used to be these strikes where that would stop everybody. And if you broke the strike, uh, if you were drove a if you drove a car or, or a bus or something and broke the strike, they'd and cut your hands off and then burn the burn your vehicle. Uh, so oh, there's there's nothing like that going on. Uh, you know that when I was there with my dad and Homer, uh, they were uh, mining the roads and um, you know so none of that's how, there's it's a lot more peaceful. The kids are all going to school. The schools aren't disrupted like they used to be. Uh, people aren't being um, like Ashok at one time had been. Uh, one of the gang members had stopped his car and tried to uh, kidnap him and bring him out. And all the people from the 
village nearby came up and surrounded his car and and none of that stuff's going on. The roads are paved everywhere. Uh, mm. So the road, Betty's been out to the leper colony. Uh, the road all the way clear out on the that side of the river is uh, paved. So that's a huge change. Uh, and they're they're cutting a road called the Fast Track from Kathmandu. It's going to go right, sadly, right through the graveyard where the people used to bury uh, hmm. what they call dead bodies, the Christian bodies. There's probably not any there because they get washed away every monsoon season. Um, hmm. But there's going to be a road running right through there on a huge highway. That's and the road won't go. get washed away? <laughs> Are they building it up higher? Yeah, good question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It looks like it's in the floodplain to me, but I, I don't know. Right. Uh, so... I think um, anyway that road's going to go. They're di- they're drilling a hole, a big tunnel like we have up in the mountains here, uh, through the mountains to the flat part of Nepal, uh, to the India border. So this will be a fast track that will bring goods right from India to Kathmandu. Pretty much everything in Nepal is imported from India. Well, what about all the earthquake damage that was? supposed to take years and years to recover from and wasn't that just like three years ago maybe that big earthquake um some like i went down to the durbar square in a place called Patton, and they're still rebuilding some of those temples that were damaged okay Uh, these were temples uh, like made in around the 1300s and that were mostly wood and some of those are still uh, being replaced and worked on, but a lot of them are, are have been repaired, and the museum there uh, has been repaired. Um, so, and the construction is you know way better than now. Is way better. Everything gets steel put in it, um, where before there was a lot of building that didn't. But the the church in the leper colony survived the. The one church building I went to where they had been meeting, uh, uh, for years the front of it fell off and um, all the people were there during the earthquake and uh, were able to scramble out of the top of it and, um, and then go across the rubble before the other walls fell down. So uh, no one was injured in that. None of the Christians there at that church uh, were injured uh, they did uh, a lot of the older places. There was a place right across the street from this that I wanted to go see, and Ashok took me over there. Uh, it had been um, like a human beehive or an anthill. It was made out of clay and mud and sticks, and you climbed up these old steps and ladders to get up in it. And we went and visited uh, the family, Ambika, and her brother, Japan, and their mom and dad, lived in this building and and during the earthquake uh, they weren't living there at the time but uh but they used to live there and this building is gone uh but it was kind of a magical place where it had probably been around since the 1300s uh, but that and the people that lived there I'm sure were killed because it was just piles of mud stuck on one on top of one another mm-hmm. Uh, but 
I was it was really great. I got to see Ambika and uh, her family, and that's always a joy. She's uh, she's a single woman there who I've watched grow up from a girl, and who just uh, the joy of the Lord just radiates from her. It's just really fun to be with her, even though we don't speak the same language. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of what's that's what I know what's going on in Nepal. There probably there is persecution, but I think that's just kind of the name of the game there. Did because, tourism come back after the earthquake? I know it certainly yeah, died yeah, at came, first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Besides you, back. I mean, the rest of the tourists. <laughs> yeah, it came back with the earthquake, but here's so here's what happened while we were there. Uh, because of the coronavirus, um, we were there the, fir- the 11th, 12th of February, mm-hmm. and there were no Chinese tourists. Chinese tourists bring a lot of money to Nepal, and mm-hmm. there were no Korean tourists, and there were no Japanese tourists, and there were no Indian tourists, uh, and so when and there were no gringo tourists like us. Uh, we were there were maybe a handful of gringos we saw the whole time, and and also that being said, there were no there were all the Nepali businessmen that had borrowed money to build hotels and start restaurants and other business because of the coronavirus were left holding the bag um, and then right. they're not ma- they're not making their payments and they're laying off their employees and, and so we so we kind of got a foretaste of what was happening in around the world um, right there in Nepal because everything was quiet and um People weren't doing social distancing. They just didn't, there was no business. Hmm. Um, so that was different and kind of you know, spooky to see that with that that economic impact was ha- that was going to happen to Nepal was taking yes. place early February. Yes, because the tourists from those countries you mentioned were already having to curb their behavior and not do the traveling and the social distancing. Korea, yep. Japan, China, India, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Yep, in India. Yeah, the uh, and China had you know pretty much locked down all their citizens, so they couldn't leave the town they were in, mm-hmm. uh, which included like going to Nepal. Uh, so, I mean, it is a great tourist destination, but it was uh, there were no tourists there, and that really hurts the. And pretty much everyone in Nepal economically. Mm-hmm. So that's and then that was kind of a, a precursor to coming back here. And uh, that was my initial thought after after having that experience in Nepal is the economic fallout of this could be worse than the illness itself just because people are not going to have jobs and work and. Agreed. Yeah. And, and, yes. and then we all do dumb things, you know, like break the rules. I'm a rule, yes. I'm a great rule breaker, so uh, it's which doesn't help anybody at this time. But uh, so that's uh, that was my experience in Nepal, and I probably have got a lot of details off. But I'm really excited for the Christians there. They're, um, I think it'd be like for the rest of the world. Um, we're so tied together you know, spiritually, that, and 
economically and emotionally and uh i think that that's something that we can pray for all those all those praying people in nepal has uh, pray for their well-being and their uh, economic you know cuz everybody uh, just like us we we need money to eat in a sense and they uh, they they still have a part of it their their uh countries based on agriculture but a, but a lot of it is not especially since the world the, the civil war a lot of people have moved to the city and become city folks so steve in nepal do christians like do they have to be in secret when they have church or can they have an actual building and have a, a Christian church and call it that? No, they have churches, um, and they they don't have to be in secret. I, I think it's so illegal to convert anyone. Oh, okay. So, so, so if you're already converted, it's fine, but if you can't go out and try to convert anybody? I think that and that's the law, yeah. Hmm. And it, it, yeah, so... I think that would be frowned upon if you didn't, if you didn't get like stoned or beaten. Yeah. Uh, and, but oh, another thing that's changed. Betty asked what changed. Uh, the first time I went there with Mike, uh, it was one of the, like the. It's really fun to see how we grow as Christians. One of the big things uh, was what to do with the Christians' bodies when they died. You remember that, Betty? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. The, the dead bodies, and they, and like the biggest need at that time was uh, they needed a van. You know, it was like we got to have a van. We have to have a car. We have to have something to go catch, get the Christians' dead bodies before uh, the Hindu, their Hindu relatives, because they were converts, uh, before the Hindu relatives mm-hmm. get the bodies and go out and cremate them and take them to the Holy River. And the Bhagavati and cremate it, cremate their bodies there. We have to go get them, and then we're going to give them a Christian burial down by the leper colony on the banks of the river. And mm-hmm. so that was, I'm not sure how long ago, probably close to 20 years ago. Now, uh, as a, that's a, a super costly thing to do, and the, and the Christians are now, instead of having that, uh, mindset where they have to be you know, like better or do something different than the Hindus. Um, Ashok's both of his parents have died recently, and instead of um, having to spend all that en- enormous amount of money for a Trent to go and catch somebody and get their body, what they've started doing is uh, in that same area along the river, uh, they've been doing cremations. And so he, uh, modeling that it's okay to have a cremation, it's not um, not spiritual. Uh, both of his parents were cremated over by the leper colony near where they had lived. And um, and while I, I was that. there, oh, go ahead. I, well, I love that because we are free in Christ. And just expressing yeah. that freedom in Christ, we're not in bondage to rules and regulations. So I love exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and it's fun to see how we grow because, you know, a lot of the beliefs, the crazy beliefs I've had over the years, I've like, I would say that's kind of 
when I when I ex- first experienced that, it's like, wow. And when like, what's the big deal if you're cremated or you're buried? Uh, it didn't seem that big a deal to me, but it was a super important um, spiritual principle to them that they yeah. were telling themselves they had to follow, and they did. And in the middle, of the Lord led them through through that and in it, and was with them. And like you said, now they're experiencing more freedom to do something that's kind of more beneficial to the whole body and mm-hmm. less costly because uh, they really don't have any money. Uh, so while we were there, uh, Beepin, who who is uh, Deepa's husband, who Deepa is Ashok's niece, who basically he raised. Um, Beepin came in. He was all sweaty one day. He's like, "What? What have you been doing?" He goes. Oh, so-and-so died last night. I was up cutting down trees with the rest of the brothers to have a a funeral. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they had their funeral pyre pyre in that, had a a funeral. But he he was um, uh, one of the Christian leaders there and was up cutting down trees. Uh, So so that's a, a kind of cool change. Um, well, from from my perspective, you know, uh, that I agree. that that we're it's so neat to see how we we grow and mm-hmm. experience the freedom that we do have based. Mm-hmm. So, well, thanks a lot, Steve, for uh, talking about the the part to about uh, Nepal. That was very interesting. It's it's very uh, it's crazy for me to think that uh, Christians are still being persecuted. Um, I don't know, I guess it kind of opens my eyes a lot more to what goes on in the rest of the world, like how well we do have it in America. So yeah, thanks that, for sharing you know, that. That's, yeah, and that's, you know, that was one of the, um, I'd love to talk about persecution sometime. Uh, that was That is one of the interesting things about uh, hanging out with Ashok, and I've got to meet uh, Pastor Udup and um, Narabaradu and all these guys and um there's a, every one every one of them has uh been stoned or wow. had someone try and kill them that's uh, crazy been able to get away so i'd love to share their stories as i know them i you know i've got a lot, probably lots of mistakes but i've been there with them and i've lived in their houses with them and um, met them and uh had them tell them to me firsthand so uh, it would be fun to share some of those of of these guys because they were all you know 20 years younger uh, or maybe 25 years younger than they are now and when that was happening so it's not it's not that long ago yeah that isn't yeah i'd like to hear those stories anyway thanks for but letting it, me yak about nepal Noah. it's really i really appreciate it no thanks sir i'm so happy that you got to go i mean who knows if any of us will be able to go there again. So it's sweet you got to go there before all this happened. Oh, man, I am so thankful. I just feel so grateful that I, I got to be there. Yeah, definitely. And thank you, Betty, for being on. My pleasure. Thank you, <coughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you great Steve. being with you, Betty. Oh, thank you, Noah. It's great, as always, being with you and, and Betty. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, and... Uh, the next podcast we'll do is Steve going to what part of India? Just uh, South India. South India. All right. Mm-hmm. That'll be the next podcast. Thanks for listening. All right. Sounds great. <laughs>